straight talk only on America's most hypnotic podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm in my sleepy era. I'm cozy maxing. I'm bedtime pilled. <laughs> Yawn core. <laughs> Yawn core. <laughs> Welcome to prime time, bitch. This is bed sheets. More like bitch sheets. <laughs> oh, bed sheets. Consider it. Oh, bed this, sheets. Uh, this episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's true. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. You said this was straight talk and I'm talking. Should, should I just be silent for this episode? Yes, we would prefer that. Too bad. I'm talking. <laughs> no. Hi, my name is Cleveland Mosier and I'm having dreams in the bitch house. There it is. Bitch. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> A real, we're, we're ready for a bitch centric episode. Yes. Yeah. Wow. This is our this uh, is our final. With us, every episode is a bitch centric episode. <laughs> True. So we're a bunch of bitches. We're a bunch of <laughs> we're a bunch of. We've bitches. got ninety nine problems, and bitch is all. And bitch is every one of them. them. Bitch is every single problem. Yeah. Well, this is our this is our final uh, film review of twenty twenty two. We're doing a a Patreon pick. This one comes courtesy. Of our friend and honorary pod boy, Sam Simon. A Patreon and a Patriot. A Patreon and a Patriot. A Patriot. And a Pat... A Pod... Ooh, Patriot. Patriot, oh, that's... Yeah. We'll circle back on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back around. We'll come back around to that. Our fellow Patriots. I like, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sam, Sam has chosen uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, uh, for us to talk about. Uh, this movie... Came out in uh, 1987. Mm. It's obviously the third Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah, but as I the mean, title spiritually, suggests. it's the second. Spiritually, yes. it's the second <laughs> one. Yeah, we we did we did talk about uh, uh, the second one earlier this year, uh, and uh, had had a fun time talking about uh, the uh, not so secretly gay Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> too, and all the stuff that went into that. Um, but yes, this is uh, this is sort of a direct sequel to the original nancy is back heather langenkamp is back now she's like a psychiatrist intern and she's helping some kids in a psychiatric ward who are all being stalked by the nasty knife man himself freddy krueger he's back the seed of a hundred maniacs yeah. freddy krueger we'll get there oh, yeah. um, <laughs> baby steps uh I was just looking at the the director of this movie, Chuck Russell. I was curious to see what other stuff he had done. I was surprised to see he's done a couple of uh, very notable things. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was his first uh, film that he directed. And immediately after this, he did the 1988 remake of The Blob. A movie that we will be talking about next year. We will 100% be talking about that in 2023. Uh, It's one of my favorite horror movies. Wait, this was his first movie? This was his first. Get the fuck out of here. And The Blob. was his second and then later in the 90s he directed the mask the jim carrey one yo somebody stopped what a king (laughs) and then oh my god what and then in 2002 somebody didn't stop him they didn't stop him and he directed the scorpion king yo (laughs) starring dwayne the rock johnson awesome i love that movie it's not a good movie. No, no it's, oh no, yeah, of course not. But I love it. But uh, yeah, so uh, Chuck Russell what? has uh, actually a, a a pretty notable uh, yeah, filmography. What a yeah, oh, what, a, what a career. He I, he still with 
this still only has ten directorial credits to his name, wow. um, and most of them are. I mean, well, the the back half of them are not notable at all. But um, shit, I mean, the mask is. Cool. I mean, geez, this this movie is dope. It's great. Yeah, I'll say. It's uh, it's probably my second favorite in the series after the original. Yeah, it's close with New Nightmare for me mm-hmm. between the two. They're both fantastic. I'm coming off this hot. I need to rewatch the other ones. That's my first time watching all of them. I might like this one the most. I yeah, I, uh, I like the vibe. I like the feel. I think I think the like the first half of this movie puts it on pace to outshine the original. Uh, some of the narrative directions it takes in the second half, I think, uh, knock it down a peg. Yeah. It doesn't make it any less fun. Sure. But the first one is, it's fun, it's spooky, it's also a pretty tight story. Yeah, yeah. You and know, it's it has, well directed. And it's well directed. Yeah. yeah. To me, like... The, I think this was pretty well directed, too, though. Oh, the most part, yeah. yeah. I mean... It just the, has some, again, some question, questionable narrative decisions. Yeah, I agree. Like, and, you know, you said yourself, like, it, the narrative things are definitely questionable, but, like, it doesn't, you know, like, it doesn't take away... It doesn't make the movie... It doesn't make the movie less fun. Yeah, and for me, like... It makes the movie a little dumber what, in the second half. Yes. Oh, oh for sure. But, uh, but, For what I really love about this series is the, um... All the crazy dream practicals. Yes, and yeah. and this movie of, of the ones I've, I again I haven't seen all of them. I haven't seen the fourth or Dream Child or Freddy's Dead. So I guess I've seen about half at this point of them. But uh, of the ones I've seen, this delivers the most on that. This one probably like, has it delivers the most on the spectacle, and that's what I'm here for. Yeah, for, this for one this one probably has story. bang for your buck the best uh, like dream set piece. Oh my god, yeah. even bang. Yeah. even yeah. better than the first one. Yeah, I mean it's it has the the biggest budget so far mm-hmm. in the series, and you know you're totally right, Cleve. Like I think that's one of the reasons why the Nightmare on Elm Street series is probably my favorite slasher series is because you can do so much with the dream sequences. So you have so many opportunities to do really fun, creative out of the box practicals. And we get so many good ones in this movie. And, you know, I think, uh, the first movie is like a really well-made horror movie, but this one is a much better practical effects showcase. Yeah. Because there are so many just notable moments where you're like, damn, they had some budget for this. Really, and it turned out great. Really, when I think about it, it doesn't surprise me that much that the same director did the blob right after this. Because, and we'll talk about it more when we talk about the blob, but the blob has like, it goes toe to toe with the thing for like best practical effects yeah. in a horror movie i think yeah. it really does and uh yeah you can you can tell that there's there's a lot of love for those like really crazy over the top practicals in this movie too um there's just like so many i love the variety too because we get some really great you know stop motion animation in there you know the Lots of it. sequence is fantastic uh, we get the <laughs> the junkyard sequence later with like Harryhausen esque skeleton, yeah, skeleton fight. Yeah, it's right out of Jason and the Argonauts. It's just grimier. Like they they just they made the skeleton like all charred and nasty. Yeah, which is well, it's perfect. It was burned. Um, yeah, and yeah. even the even the effects that feel 
campier or like haven't aged as well feel fun because they feel like in the era yeah like for example uh when the whole group falls asleep and enters the dream world he has one of those uh the the doctor has one of those uh pendulum ball table desk yeah I, what is the technical term for those things where the it's click like clack-y. the click clack the balls where you yeah hit one and it hits all the others and the other one and it swings yeah, back and forth and you click click a click perpetual uh click clack perpetual pe- uh, perpetual motion machine. engine yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he has one of those and the the balls separate from the strings and we get this really corny cg uh bit yes. where the balls are flying around and like it's it looks bad but it's it not looks very well, in the time. But it's, you know? it's and it charming. works for this movie. One of the other examples of that where like the effects don't look great, but it's kind of charming, is when uh uh Freddy's chasing the the crippled kid in his yeah. dream later and he becomes the the wizard master because all the kids like have dream powers or whatever, they're because they're the dream warriors yeah. and whatnot. Uh, even though they don't really put up much of a fight. Um, but the, that kid turns into the wizard master, and he's shooting, like, green lasers out of his fingers, and it looks corny as shit. No, it's all hand-drawn on the, yeah, the film. It yeah, does it, it looks like uh, they do something similar in Hellraiser, the original, at the end. Yeah, with, like, the yeah. lightning. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the, the it's, frame-by-frame, yeah, like, it's draw. Yeah, it's that 80s yeah. hand-drawn lightning. Like, every, every movie then had it from Star Wars to fucking... Uh, uh, Big Trouble, Little China, like they're all doing it, and I some do it better than it. others. Oh man, yeah, I, I like it. I like it when it's good because like the attention to detail, like wrapping mm-hmm. around forms and stuff, is always really impressive. And I love it when it's bad. It's corny and fun. Like yes, yeah. this is this in this movie. It's the latter. It's corny the it's the corny and fun. Yeah, but you know it it it, it it works for me like so well. Like not just because of the the time capsuling of it, but also you know it was all a dream. It was. That's true. He turns. He turns one of the the same kid turns one of the the little silver balls into a bird earlier in that yeah, scene. A little butterfly <laughs> into a little butterfly or, or a hummingbird or something. That, like for a moment, they get to have like a. It's like I'm the wizard master. Yeah. They share what their their special powers are in their dream. Some of them are like you you're, you touched on. Some some of their powers are. Uh, we're a little ahead of ourselves, but. I really like it because their powers are um, things that a lot of people just have in normal life. Yeah. Like, the girl can just do, like, a, a front flip. <laughs> Patricia Arquette's power is she does flips. Yeah, she can do a front yeah. flip. Um, like, one of the kids is just strong and then later looks like a Street Fighter character. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, one of them was just badass. Yeah, the ex-junkie is, <laughs> I'm cool. Yeah, her, I'm her superpower players. is she gets... The uh, tallest mohawk that's ever been seen, punk and she Marge has Simpson hair. Punk Marge Simpson hair, and she has two switchblades. Which, and, and then when she fights, some leather punk outfit. And then when she fights Freddy, it's over in like fifteen seconds. Yeah, all of her powers. She kind of are... like stabs him once, and then he kills her. Yeah, like all of all of like apart from the wizard kid, like all their powers are like marginally acquirable in real life. Right. If the if <laughs> like the the whole point is that like oh well in the dream we can imagine ourselves to be able to do anything right so we can fight freddy why why stop at one power a piece that is not even that impressive like why is your power flips i have two reasons patricia arquette well i i have i have two defenses for this because i really like this one because they are invalids 
right? Like they're at an asylum, like literally, like they're at like a like a. I mean, because of their because of their nightmares, they're they're that's why they're there. They're not like crazy, right? But they're at like a sleep center, and like they are, they're all dealing with like their own like depressions and things or whatever. Well, life. they're all they're, like they're all back. being hunted by Freddy Krueger, so yeah. they have shared nightmares. That's literally the only reason they're there. Oh yeah, but like they're held back by it, right? Like in some capacity, they've all got their, sure. their things that are holding them back in real life. Like the wizard kid's deal, like his his real superpower is that he can walk in his dreams. Right, because in real life is a paraplegic. Right, so like because he jumped off the roof yeah. of the asylum. Right, well. No, 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 uh, he jumped off a bridge. Oh, he jumped off a bridge. That's right. It was the sleepwalker guy. Yeah, he jumped off the roof of the asylum, but I knew the the crippled kid was crippled because he jumped off of something. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they're all trying to aspire to be their best selves. And at this time, they can only achieve it in their dreams. And, like, I I like that. I I also think it's good because you don't want their powers to be, like, too powerful because then you... Well, because then what's the point? Well, yeah. it becomes an anime. Like, it becomes, like, like Freddy and them, like, firing laser beams at each other. And, like, you can get that once with the wizard guy, like, doing, like, the wizard spell. But yeah. beyond that, like, you want it to be, like, achievable well, Yeah, the wizard spell practicals. doesn't work anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, that's... I, I, yeah, I, I tend to prefer that, like, it's cartoony you know, at its strongest, and it's all achievable with practice. I mean, I understand it from, like, a storytelling perspective, but at the same time, also, like, if I was going into my dreams to fight Freddy Krueger, I'd have guns for hands, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be able to, I'd be able to fly and shit, you know? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing front flips and bending the legs of chairs, you know? <laughs> yeah, gun hands sounds pretty great. Yeah. And missed, and frankly, too, you know what? I, I mean, understand what I said a little bit. It does sound like a missed opportunity. Why, like, why? <laughs> because then you have the opportunity to look Freddy in the face and say, Never bring a knife hand to a gun, gun hand, hand fight. fight. <laughs> yeah, I... and then his head explodes because you've outquipped him. <laughs> All right, hold you on. Just have we to need... say bitch. Yes, you have to say bitch at the end. Never bring a knife hand to a, a gun <laughs> hand fight, <laughs> bitch. All right, should we like stop saying this publicly and start putting this into our new script, or uh, how do how do we do this from here? Because this is gold. Yeah, how do we get the rights I, to? Yeah. Um, Who do we have to talk to to get the rights to do the next Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Yeah, because I think like there needs to be some room for progression, and you know, like you want Freddy needs to be the horror star and do horror yes. things. So like you mm-hmm. don't want the kids' his powers to like overdo that too much. At times, I wish they. Still gun hands would have been. Tough. At times, like, I wish they they. <laughs> Seemed like they could fight back a little bit more, because the whole thing being killed rather than being killed like immediately. The whole thing about their powers, right, is like ah, it gives us a chance against Freddy. We're the dream warriors, and then pretty much all of them, except for the couple who survive at the end, pretty much all of them just like are killed immediately, despite their powers. Like even the 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 wizard kid, the lightning hands. He then, while he's, like, shooting them at Freddy, runs up on him for some reason. Like, gets right up on him, and Freddy just stabs him with the with his knife hand. It's like, oh, well, shit. That didn't really work, did it? Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, Freddy... Freddy's like specked out, you know. He's like, oh yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he's been like, he's got like three movies of practice, and you know, he's the seed of a hundred maniacs. And the seed of hundred maniacs, you know. He's the like, dream. He's, he's the dream king. He is the dream king, and so he's yeah, he's got all the power. 
and uh, and he should. He should have all the power. Let's start at the beginning. Let's let's circle oh, back. We have to, to the go beginning. all the way back to the beginning now. I don't put my shoes on. <laughs> well, I want to talk start about walking. the intro sequence. The opening sequence yeah, is great because it's really great. It you know it shows one of the characters in bed, and well before that you know she's building like this paper mache sort of model mm-hmm. a dollhouse yeah essentially and uh, we see her and her mom comes home and tells her to go to bed they have a little argument. But she goes to bed, and uh, she wakes up, and we pull out from uh, a close-up, you know, with the the bed frame. With the headboard, yeah. yeah. in the background, and we pull out, and the house is there. So, I, I think, yeah, it's worth backtracking a little bit to, like, the, those opening credits where she's making the dollhouse, because it's really well shot. Like, it's all very textural. You get these, they, they made sure to make the papier-mâché goo that she's, like slopping the the newspaper with like extra kind of grody looking um it's it's all kind of nasty there's some weird uh like angelo uh bottlementi like synthy weirdness going on it's it's smearing it's all really really micro it's close micro shots yeah it's all extreme close-ups yeah and um uh and then Part way through it, around when the time like the the open like the all the the credits have uh, run out, um, she she pulls back, grabs a scoop of instant coffee, just like eats a spoonful of it, and cranks up her. Washes it down with a coke. Wash it down. That's right. Wash it down with a caffeinated coke and uh, bumps up her stereo, and and then like rock music starts blasting, and I think that's great. Like, it's good flavor, she's doing it to stay awake, we're setting the tone really nicely, and the visuals are all gooey and sticky and nasty, and we see that she's building a dollhouse. And, yeah, then things, the things Ben described have happened, and we pull back, and I think you said, like, a, a tease that it's probably, like, a... Um, it's a I think it's projection. a rear screen projection. Yeah. Because, like, it, the, it goes, the camera goes in on her as she's falling asleep, so just the headboard is like in the background and then as it pulls out her bed is in front of the house and i and she gets out and sort of starts walking towards it and i think i'm pretty sure it's a rear screen projection that Mm. they did that with but when we first see the house in the dream um i was like glued to the screen like i kind of like i kind of like you know sat up and really like stared because i couldn't it's so well made it's mm. um it so it looks like a giant real life version of the dollhouse and we see little it's, children playing in front it's of it. nancy's house from the first movie yeah. right the, made to look like but a it's dollhouse. but it's all dilapidated and boarded up and mm. abandoned and it's super cool because like i was like oh my god is that a model like are the kids like superimposed in front of it and then i look closer i'm like no they're interacting with the front door like no, it's definitely, like, a, a real, like, giant fuckade set that they built. And the reason I was so impressed... Facade. Facade. Is how that word is pronounced. Oh, fuck. What did I... Fuckade. <laughs> That's the second time you've done that on the podcast. Oh, you're right. Thank you. Uh, facade. Anyway, um, uh, it was all a facade. Uh, I, was, I, I meant to say it the whole time. <laughs> uh, but the reason I thought it was, like, a, a model is because they made it feel like a, this weird in-between like a house a real a real house in the doll house and when she comes up to it and like uh she's like walks up to the porch the columns you can see actually have like a gooey paper mache texture mm. over them and the boards on the house almost look like popsicle sticks 
and it's so nasty and gross looking. Like I I love it. And the interior continues to look like that. Like they put like a just a nasty kind of glue material on the walls and let it dry and it and it it all just feels wet and sticky. And it should. It's it's Freddy's domain. Yeah. I love how they bring back the motif of the nursery rhyme too mm-hmm. in that opening scene. One two, Freddy's coming for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and uh we even have the little girl on the trike mm-hmm. um that she talks to and uh ends well, up following into the house. Yeah, and then she uh it was she's running from Freddy, she picks her up and runs with her, then it cuts and it's very obvious that she's holding a doll while she's <laughs> running down the hall. It's great. Uh well then she gets to the end of the hall and looks down and the the girl is now a skeleton. And she wakes up. Well, she fake wakes up. She fakes up. She fakes up. Yeah. Then, you know, gotta gotta do the dream within a dream. That's a Nightmare on Elm Street hallmark. Well, yeah, she, she, quote unquote, wakes up and goes into the bathroom to, like, splash some water on her face. And uh, the taps on the sink, like, grow fingers and, like, grab her. And one of them has, like, the knife hands. Yeah, I love that. Such a cool prop. And, uh, you know, like, Freddy is, like, looking at her out through the mirror and uh, and and slashes at her. And then she wakes up for real because her mom, like, bursts into the bathroom. And we see that she's, in the real the real world, cut her, her wrist with uh, a razor blade. And so that's how she gets committed to the psychiatric ward, meets all of the other kids, and meets Heather Langenkamp who is uh, now a young woman, and she's an intern, psychiatrist, something. Nurse, aide. Yeah, sort of. I mean, she. well, she's definitely like a... They, they say she's an intern at one point. Yeah. So she's, she, she's like shadowing the, the doctor, uh, Neil Gordon, who every time they address him, it sounds like they're saying Neo. Which is funny, because one of the orderlies... At the hospital is played by a young Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne, credited in the film as Larry Fishburne. Yeah. He was credited as Larry for a while. I think. Yeah, I I wonder. I can't remember when his his pivot to yeah. uh, I know to in Lawrence was. He did the amazing movie Deep Cover, directed by Bill Duke, the the guy from Predator, and yeah. he's he's credited as Larry in that. So it's got to be like. Mid nineties, mid nineties, really, like came into his his persona. You know, it's it's kind of like like a like he evolved. You know, he he went from Larry to Lawrence. He be, yeah, he you know he became Lawrence. He became Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> and yeah, like so. Uh, you know, by by the time you know not the the nineties roll around, he's he's ascended and he's become yeah. uh, he's become Morpheus, and he is Lawrence Fishburne. Um, oh, there's also Event Horizon. Oh yeah, know, that's right. Well. There is Event Horizon. Yeah. He was he was credited as Lawrence Fishburne in whether Event or not Horizon, he, I think. he's so yeah maybe what, that was and that was I it mean, was right it would probably well, that's when he right became Lawrence there. anyway because yeah. he's a, he's definitely a Lawrence in that movie he's not a Larry yeah in this movie he's younger he's a Larry he's a Larry he's, he's yeah. coming into his Lawrence he's hood. cool and young and hip mm-hmm. he is cool and young and hip yeah. I really like him in this movie yeah I mean he's <laughs> one of the greats he's an amazing character actor yeah he's fantastic legend. Um Always fun to see actors like that in these sort of like bit parts in the early days. Yeah, and, and I mean, the like 
did anybody on set in those days imagine that old Larry Fishburne playing Max the Orderly would someday be Morpheus? Yeah, I mean, in the first one, Johnny Depp was one of the first True. people killed. You True. Know? Yeah. And look at Johnny Depp now. He just won a defamation lawsuit, <laughs> and now he looks like uh, an elderly lesbian. Yeah, it looks He's like looking he... closer and closer to Freddy Krueger, yeah. actually. Yeah, it looks like he did actually get blended up in that bed a little bit. Yeah, but... yeah no, there's... And the legacy continues in that respect. You've even got um, Texas Chainsaw, what was it? Family reunion, Texas Chainsaw revival. I forget the it, return, homecoming, uh, something like that. I forget the name of it, but it's the one with uh, all right, all right, all right, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, uh, that's Texas Chainsaw three. I haven't yeah. seen that because it is like in that one, McConaughey <laughs> is uh, it's is credited as introducing, like it's his first. Yeah, you know, it's his first. That was his film. his. First we'll be watching role, yeah. it soon. I definitely want to see it again. He okay. has a cyborg arm. It's awesome. All right, it's great. <laughs> I don't know if I need Texas Chainsaw ruined for me again and again and again. I don't think but... it's ruined. I, I think it's fun. I like that. I like I like that movie. Like, uh, it's not good, but I like it. Yeah, well, I like good Texas Chainsaw movies. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Heather Langenkamp is a doctor or something now. Uh, she has, they, they try to make her look older because she has the one streak of like white hair from where she was traumatized by Freddy. But, uh, in reality, she is the same age as most of the actors who are playing these kids. She looks like Rogue from X-Men, basically. Yeah, basically. But, uh, uh, she looking fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hang what on. a dime. Heather Lane Camp is a dime. Um, yeah. Oh my god! And she's and she's good in this. Nice to have her back. She's really great in the original, um, and she yeah. she does feel like a really uh, crucial part. I mean, she's in. She holds the movie together. She's in all the best Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. The first one, this one, New she's Nightmare. A true scream queen. Yes, she's uh, she's great in this. We do get a uh, a bit part uh, from John Saxon returning later as her father, who's now no longer a cop. He's a security guard and he's a drunk. Yeah, complete alcoholic. Yeah, and uh, he and the the doctor uh, who is who he and Heather Langkamp have like a kind of romantic tension. I'm glad they never really do anything with it because he's like much older than her um but uh yeah he takes john saxon to the the graveyard or the junkyard to find freddy krueger's bones uh and that's where they we have the the ray harryhausen skeleton fight yeah that junkyard set is awesome it's dope it's a cool set it doesn't make a lick of fucking sense in the in the context of what freddy's capable of in in the movie yeah i we the other night we were joking about like the cool stuff principle, I think, is rule of cool. cool. Rule of cool, yeah. Uh, just uh, principle, yeah. <laughs> Which also works. In the, fairness, the cool stuff principle. <laughs> the rule of cool flows much better. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like it sounds like an in. Isaac Asimov book. <laughs> the cool the, stuff principle. The cool stuff principle. Yeah, like a seventies sci-fi. All right, sorry, <laughs> carry on. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, you know overruling what makes sense is mm-hmm. what what is cool, and that is a cool sequence in the movies. It's so. very cool. Yeah, all of the cars around them come to life, and. Uh, 
they like collapse on top of their car and like lot like blocks them into this clearing and then Freddy's bones come to life uh and fights them <laughs> and it's great but it doesn't make any sense the car's coming to life looks so good it's yeah. Re- yeah that that's really cool uh it was i'm couldn't have been an easy set to build because you had to wire all those lights up and have them so going active. yeah on and off all yeah. the time instruments um, yeah it was, it was cool again how does Freddy influence the real world? How does his skeleton come to life he's just when he just has so much power. power only in dreams? It's it's a haunted skeleton. I don't know. Yeah, but it's fu- it's fun. It is really fun. <laughs> it's really fun. And I will say, for as much as like the narrative, we'll still get into it. Like, uh, goes weird and and dumb in some places. There's one thing I really like about this movie, and that is just one. Well, no, there's many things, but <laughs> one one narrative thing. Um, well, no, this but uh, this is the only film where he he almost entirely like harms people practically in the real world. Like in the original film, like Johnny Depp literally gets blended in his bed. Uh, the the first kill features the girl like being getting like, dragged across dragged the ceiling. across the yeah. ceiling. Like they're all like dream based kills that, because he's he's hurting them in the dreams. They're being hurt the same way in reality. And it still applies here, but it's almost always, like, practical, like, in, like, the realism sense. Like, they're always, like, her cutting her wrists. The guy, like, in the dream, his, um, the, the Sleepwalker character, like, in the dream, his, uh, all of his appendages are, like, pulled up like, um... Like a marionette. Like, like a marionette. So, like, as his, some of his muscles are ripped out of his arms up to his wrist, and same with his feet, like, down his shins. Yeah. So that, he, yeah, they're, like, hung in the air, but in... The reality, he's just sleepwalking, yeah. and he uses that to make him leap off the top. Well, of the... He, while he is sleepwalking, he does literally phase through a door. We do see that happen. Yeah, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, what are the rules? But yeah, like, still, like the the kill. There's just, again, rule of cool. Rule right. of cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah it's I it mean, the, that he does the, that. the kills yeah. the kills are done in such a way that they don't necessarily to a outside observer seem like overtly supernatural mm-hmm. like the the one the kid like you're saying who gets puppeted up to the top and jumps off looks like he committed suicide the one where that's a little dubious i think is uh the girl who the gets TV. her head put through the tv she could have just taken a running start <laughs> I don't know about that. You we know, should. I'm depressed. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna dive into the six foot tall TV. You've never like seen uh, a pharmaceutical ad or a uh, a, po- a political ad like so infuriating that you just wanted to run and ram your head into the television. No, really? Am I alone here? Well, surely I've seen one of our ones listeners. that are so bad that I feel like falling asleep immediately. I mean. Which... Yeah. In this movie, would equate to something similar. Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the Neon Demon. There's some movies where I just want to run <laughs> and hit, throw my head into a TV. You know, like I I think I think it's believable. I uh, I'm given that one. I'm giving that one to the movie. Also, fucking hilarious, right? I mean, obviously, no one's questioning. Oh yeah, well, I mean, when yeah, the the shot where Lawrence Fishburne comes into the room and she's just sort of like hanging from the TV with like her head smashed to it. That whole sequence is great. That's one of my favorite sequences in the movie. One of my favorite like dream kill sequences. Let's describe from the top. Because she's like, yeah, she's sitting in the TV room. She's trying to stay awake. She's putting cigarettes out on herself to keep her awake. 
uh, her character's whole thing is that once she gets out of there, she's going to go to California and become a TV star. So she's watching TV, and she turns on, what, the Dick Cavett show? Yeah. And uh, and Zaza Gabor is on there. And you were saying that that was, that was like, uh, yeah, so, real, kind of. Yeah, so Dick Cavett uh, was asked to uh, do the scene for the movie. And he said, okay, I'll do it. I'll bring on a guest myself. Mm. And so he invited Zaza Gabor, who's like a... A social thing like a Paris Hilton of the 80s and she's like of course darling and she comes on and uh what does she like what does she say well in Hungarian of course darling uh but she has no idea who the other guest is and the other guest is obviously them shooting the movie and right. you know it being the other guest is Freddy. Freddy, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. What what happens? What we see in the movie is as he's interviewing her, Dick Cavett says something like, uh, uh, "I don't give a shit about what you have to say." And then he turns into Freddy and uh, like lunges at Zaza Gabor. Yeah. So apparently, she had no idea this was going to happen, and she had no idea who Freddy Krueger even oh, was. Awesome. So, so all of a sudden, there's just a a burned. <laughs> man with with knife fingers yeah. so running her reaction in the scene is completely genuine oh, fantastic oh, that's, that's so funny that's amazing but so in the movie as that happens then the tv like cuts to static and she gets up and she sort of like walks up to the tv like trying to see what's wrong with it and then two big arms come out of the side of the tv made of like metal and wires and shit uh electronics and they've got uh, the Freddy Krueger sharp knife hands and they pick her up and then his head comes up out of the top of the TV and I think doesn't he have the bunny ear antennas like yeah. on his head yeah um, it's all latex He's, yeah like, pulling up from the TV and uh, and he's got th- this is a, the his quippiest movie uh, yet in the series for sure they really leaned for hard good. into the into the punny quips well, but this, uh, this quip was ad libbed by it. Robert England. It wasn't Incredible. in the script. King. Fantastic. King. Well, yeah, his his uh his great little line is uh welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> welcome to time pr- fuck time prime. <laughs> welcome to time prime, bitch. Prime time to and, welcome uh, you and bitch. Smashes prime smashes bitch, her head prime through the TV. Get Amazon Prime, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I I absolutely love the effect of it because like it looks the, great the tv has almost robotic arms mm-hmm. that come out uh it just like a transformer yeah or something. yeah it looks fantastic and i love later um they go in that room after and there's just a big burn mark where the oh TV yeah later in the movie on the wall yeah just a huge like black scorch yeah, like mark they didn't where really the tv clean it at all they took the tv down yeah that's really good what other great kills are there in this? Well, um, this isn't a kill, but uh, one of my other favorite moments, especially in terms of practical effects, is earlier on when Patricia Arquette's character reveals the special power she has, which is being able to pull other people into her dreams. Mm-hmm. Um and she finds herself, she falls asleep and she finds herself back in the scary house and she's like in the living room 
and looking around and like something comes up under the floor and it's moving around under the floor and the walls and everything's cracking and stuff. And then up from out of the ground right under her comes a big nasty worm with the face of Freddy Krueger and starts uh, like swallowing her like an anaconda. It it looks just like uh, uh, the, the Dark Souls worm guy oh uh yeah. the primordial serpents yeah cough and yeah. framped yeah it looks like cough and or framped minus the little flappies yeah like it's it's, it's a it's great it's a great prop incredible yeah. i mean that alone i mean that would have been great for a climax yeah of the movie yeah you know? and that's that's early in the movie that's it, like yeah. an early thing well because that's the first time where like as she's in danger because she's being swallowed she inadvertently pulls uh nancy into the dream i love who comes this, in that and sequence when she falls in falls the through the chair yeah, yeah. oh man oh, just another so really great practical yeah. um one of my other favorite practicals is the mute kid um he, oh the he yeah, separates the from the group and there's this nurse that he has kind of has the hots for, mm-hmm. um, but he can't really get her attention super well because he can't talk. And also because he's a kid. Yes. He's a teenager and she's an adult woman. Yeah. Seems a little yikesy. Yeah. Like, um, I, bu- I, I buy it, like, that he would have a crush well, on I mean, it's, or it's whatever. His, and, like, those yeah, it's, happen. it's his fantasy. I mean... Every teenage boy has fantasies about getting with adult women. Of course, like, yeah. That's, yeah. But yeah, he has the fantasy where she like she's like, "Oh, come into this room. Let me get you alone." Yeah. And she gets naked and is like they take it pretty far, feeling him up and making out with him. Well, the all of the kid actors in this were like twenty one. Yeah. yeah. So right. like, it's not actually. It be, yeah. yeah, it's not actually. Skeezy. Yeah, and. Uh... We have that awesome scene where they're making out and uh, she, like, bites his tongue and pulls it. And we get him uh, getting tied to the bed with, like, pieces of With tongue. his own tongue. He's like, he t- it, she turns his tongue into, like, a Looney Tunes, like, cartoon tongue. Yeah. And uh, we get another one of my favorite quips of the movie from Freddy. Um, he says, feeling a little tongue-tied. <laughs> As he's literally tied to the bed yeah. with his own tongue. <laughs> and then the bottom of the bed under him falls away and it's just like hell. Hell. <laughs> it's just it's like a pit of fire. Yeah. It's just so much fun. That that whole sequence. Well. The the tongue effect looks super fun and gross. And... Speaking of hell, we should talk about Freddy's origin story in this this is where the film loses me a little bit if i'm being honest uh both times i've seen it because like up to this point like the first half of the movie is like narratively like it's a little it's a little campy and goofy but like it's pretty straightforward it doesn't take you too far outside of the realm of belief in the context of like this universe but there's this mysterious nun who the doctor keeps seeing all over the place who seems to to know something about freddy and one night he follows her up to like this abandoned part of the the hospital that's been shut down since like the 40s and she tells him she's like this is where it all began and Mm -hmm. tells him that like 
back in the 40s or something. That part of the hospital was where they kept, like, the most criminally insane people, like, ever. And one of the nurses accidentally got locked in there with them over, like, the Christmas holiday or something Mm -hmm. and was trapped in there with them for several days and was raped hundreds of times. And then when they found her, she was barely alive and pregnant with Freddy Krueger, who is the the bastard spawn of a hundred psychopaths. <laughs> like, it's so over the top and campy that it's it's pretty funny. I mean, it's it's funny. It's fucking stupid. It is very dumb. But it's fucking stupid. I I I don't hate it you know because if this was like a super serious movie then yeah it would suck yeah but like this that tonally it doesn't feel too far off of what they're going for with the rest of it it doesn't i just don't like origin stories it was unnecessary i just don't yeah i just don't like origin stories for for villains like freddy krueger i think the the fact that especially in the first one that why he has the power of dreams is never explained at all. It's just kind of like he was a child murderer who was killed by a bunch of parents and his hatred and desire for revenge was so strong that he's able to invade the dreams of people and kill them. And they're like, it's just... It's unexplained. That's what makes it scary. Yeah. The fact that, like, in this, they try to be like, oh, yeah, he's so evil because his mother was raped by a hundred psychopaths and all of their yeah. all of their crazy so jizz fused together to create the most evil baby in the history of the world. Well, the even dumber twist to that is... The nun ends up being turns out at the end Amanda Kruger, the ghost of Amanda yeah. Kruger. Yeah, because uh, he uh, the right at the very end, the doctor like sees her in the graveyard and sort of like follows her around, and then she's gone, and then there's her grave, and uh, yeah, that. <laughs> so her ghost was just hanging around to tell people about how evil Freddy Krueger is <laughs> and how the only way to stop him is to find his bones and give him a proper funeral? Yeah, put the, I mean, put, that... the, put, the, put the wandering <laughs> evil spirit to rest. That's what I they guess. say. Yeah. That's not really quite what happens. They end up getting the bones in a grave, but... Yeah, they kind of just throw vodka. Well, 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 no, it's it's holy, it's it holy, holy water, holy water. Because yeah, right? he goes to the church says, earlier and he fills the vodka yeah, bottle with holy yeah. water, and he steals the crucifix and gives the priest his driver's license. Is like, you can keep my driver's license. I'll come back and reimburse you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they get his bones into the grave and splash some holy water on him and put the crucifix on top of his bones. Uh, And then in the dream, while Heather Langenkamp and Patricia Arquette and the strong kid are fighting him, uh, he starts glowing and then uh, does a little spin around (laughs) 
and several, uh, times, several yeah. he does a several little spin arounds, which means they had to animate like the glowing like holes in a, in perspective. Pain in the ass. Yeah, like yeah, ton of work behind that for such a fucking hokey effect. Oh yeah, too. it looks so yeah. corny. Oh, I mean it's it's rotoscoped essentially. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. So yeah. But I still it, frame yeah. frame by frame. Yeah, you're still gonna draw each one of those like growing things frame by frame. That's it's a lot. Of it's hard. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I I feel like that that scene when he's losing essentially when he's getting banished from the dream yeah. world. I I wasn't the biggest fan of that. Like it looks cool, but it feels like an anticlimactic way for it's. Freddy to go out. It's goofy. It's yeah. goofy. Also, just like the idea that he can be defeated by the power of the Christian God. Yeah, yeah. Feels a little bit weird for Freddy Krueger. Yeah, you know, there's never there's never been that aspect to like. Not, I mean, I know this is only the third one, but in the first two, like, there's never been that aspect to that. Yeah, because it kind that of makes he's, him a demon, and like that's yeah, not, it makes yeah, him like a satan. It makes him like satanic. Yeah. But by dumping holy water on his bones and putting a cross on top of them, yeah. like that, because like, like when they when they an exorcism when maybe. they lay the cross on him, like a a, a glowing cross like appears yeah. on his forehead, like in the dream world. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so the Christian God is real in this mm-hmm. universe, and he, he he can defeat Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Okay, that's. That's cool, I guess. Well, it's maybe it's just real in dreams, and but it's not because they're doing they're dumping the holy water on his bones in real life, not in the dream. But also in the dream, because it's you know dreams are a reflection of life. I'm bullshitting my way through this. Yeah, you're doing a bad job. And and because uh, uh, they're not they're not using holy water in the dream. They're getting their asses kicked by Freddy, and then in the real world, the doctor starts dumping the holy water, yeah, and then all of a sudden, Freddy starts see, burning. Freddy's dream power has become so potent it's invading real life. That's why his skeleton actually animated. Uh, oh. And and his dream power has become so potent that like so because the characters believe in the salvation offered by Jesus Christ. It works in the dream. It, it works yeah. in the and, dream. And, and, it enters the dream. When you and think that's about also, it, that's how you save suicidal teeth. Yes, so. and also, too, remember, there are movies after this one. That all Meaning, that all offer different origin stories for Freddy Krueger. <laughs> because Freddy, Fred, Freddy is a dream-based thought form, and those laws only apply in dreams, which is why he comes back, because the Christian God isn't real. And so, like, it, uh, in, in that world or, you know, whatever you want for this world. But, like, the, yeah. I think and, in... And so it's, it works. I think in, I want to say kind the of. fifth one, the dream child, the whole thing is that there are, like, three dr- astral dream gods <laughs> who, what? throughout mm-hmm. history choose the most evil people they can find to grant them their powers so they can torment the living so that the so that the dream gods can feed on their souls or something like that what yeah that's actually pretty accurate (laughs) it sounds 
It sounds cooler in principle than in execution. Yeah, I mean, it sounds stupid in principle. It's pretty bad. That the I don't I don't particularly like the Dream Child. I don't particularly like that one. Um, I gotta see it. It is it is it's dumber. It's dumber than this one. Wow. But I do kind of like. They're just like, oh fuck, uh, we biffed Freddy Krueger's origin in the last one. Let's try again. Oh fuck, we biffed it again. Let's do it again. Again, and then it's, new night, like an and then, and then you just new peel back more and more layers. Yeah, and then new nightmare like literally turns him into a tulpa, kind of. Basically, yeah, yeah, they will him into existence. Yeah, that that feels like the biggest narrative misstep in this movie yeah. is like going too far into the origin, or you know trying to get rid of him like leave leave freddy unknown and undestroyable yeah you know just find a way to keep him at bay yes for the exactly time being, exactly you know? just get him off your back at yeah. whatever cost yeah yeah and like it still would have worked for the dream warriors premise too because like they're still just under the impression that with their powers together they have a chance of defeating him right yeah sure know, like stronger together um which i do want to dig into a little bit more i think now's a good time um so the sort of the core premise of this movie you know like along with the subtitle is you know there are dream these are the dream warriors you know uh uh, separate they're they're nothing but ragtag teens you know trying to to get by in life with their 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 shitty dream problems um and paraplegia and uh rate anger issues and uh but Together, they're a a, a dream based uh, strike team, all who are all specialists, and I think that fucking rules. But never once do they fight him as a cohesive unit. No, but they do all like it, at the very least, they do all set up what their dream powers are, and in some yes. case, show them off and use them. Yeah, like yes. there is setup and payoff, and that's all I really need. Like, yeah, no, there's no part where, like, they all come together and, like... A, As a, a, the Power a, Rangers. A, ha- a heavenly light, you know, like, glows from their bodies. And you kind of... You get, the armor. closest you get is in, like, Hell. Yeah. When they kind of tag team, almost. With well, yeah, the, and, yeah but at that, at that point, at and... that point, all you've got left is the strong kid and Patricia Arquette, again, who, again, her powers are... She can do flips, um, and for some reason, Heather Langenkamp doesn't have any powers. Her power is like Professor perseverance. X. Her power Staying alive. is leadership. The most yeah. important power of all. But in, Profe- in but Professor X also had powers, like really strong ones. He was kind of like the strongest of them, which is like what <laughs> what made him fit to be the leader, right? It's you not know? a perfect metaphor. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, really, really, Heather, really, had like in seriousness, like Nancy's power in this is that she's fought Freddy before. Her power is knowledge. Experience. Is experience. She, um, she's the, which one in the A-team is, has the gray hair? Uh, uh, Hannibal. She's a Hannibal. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. There we go. That's I mean, I think better. he also, I think he also does stuff in the A-team too, but. Leader stuff. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, I, I, I get it. It does, it is, does seem like kind of a missed opportunity for her to have like a cool power or something. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, we, Nancy does do stuff. Oh sure, oh sure, yeah. You know? She she is important, and she does she fight. Does you know, she fight and protect 
some of the others. She and... she does uh, she does take up the mantle of leadership, the uh, the Autobot Matrix of leadership. <laughs> uh, uh, we will never talk about we, it. No, but it's great. <laughs> it's um, great. But uh, there there is uh, after that they do they free the 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 mute kid, the kid who doesn't talk, mm-hmm. and he discovers his dream power. Which is just shouting so loud that Freddy Krueger goes away. Right in real life, he's he he can't speak, but in his dream, he shouts the loudest. He shouts the loudest. I like that. Yeah, it's not deep, but I like it. I'm not yeah. saying I like it because it's deep. I he only like, uses, I like it because it's corny. He only uses that power once. <laughs> well, but it's great. When While it they're in the hallway and there's a bunch of mirrors and everyone's getting pulled into the mirror by a different reflection of right Freddy Krueger. Right when Cougar. you think that all these mirror Freddies have pulled all of his friends into the into the mirrors and they're lost forever, and right? he At just that goes last moment of darkness. He just goes light. No, and, he does a shout. and then Freddy goes, "Ooh, my ears!" and all the mirrors shatter, and his friends pop out. Mm-hmm. I like the I, I like the cinematography. I really, I really edited. get the, I really get the impression that in like the last like twenty ish minutes of this movie, they're kind of like, "Uh, we ran out of story, but we still have some." set piece ideas i disagree so i think just... i think the set pieces came first and they tried to glue it together with some semblance of a story well i know that's what i'm saying is they had all these ideas for set pieces then they used oh, yeah, some okay, of them yeah, and were like okay. oh shit we're out of story but we still have these other things that we want to do let's yeah. just do them anyway i mean again Rule of cool. Yeah. Rule of cool. Rule of cool. Uh, exhibition it's, of effects. It's it's like it's like a uh, it's it's the same way I feel about a lot of martial arts films. The best ones have incredible stories, sure, but all I'm really looking for in a martial arts yeah. movie is cool action set piece to cool action set piece. Like, sure. Don't fuck around and get muddied down with story for too long. This movie doesn't. When there is story. It's still pretty. In, in, at least it's interesting. Right. Yeah. Whether it's good. I and mean, then... definitely. At least, definitely in the first half. I think. I think the the narrative, like the plot in the first half, is pretty tight. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it gets a little a little looser and less tight well, later. It was a but slippery, uh, uh, but um, but at least yeah. I I do think there's some missed opportunity to have like at least one scene where they're like all the dream warriors are together fighting Freddy and like. Patricia Arquette does like a flip over him and kicks him and then uh the strong kid like grabs him and holds him so that the the crippled kid can use his wizard power to shock him and then the the goth girl can uh twirl her knives at him and you know <laughs> like stab him or something yeah. but oh then he's too strong he breaks free and oh no and then they have to form up Megazord Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wish that would have happened. I wish, yeah, that's what I'm um, saying. Missed opportunity. <laughs> um, I will say I really love the scene where the uh, the punk girl, uh, junkie-ish girl, dies. Well, yeah, she used to be a junkie. Yeah, that's her junkie. Her uh, um, the past yeah. that haunts her. Yeah, she uh, is pulled into this like alley. You know, she has her knives and she's like twirling her switchblades around and has a pretty cool fight with uh, Freddy. I don't know about that. Uh, but it's, a, it's a brief. It's about, brief it's, about it's about 15 seconds and she gets like one good shot yeah, in. Yeah. But he he pulls out the syringe fingers. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite 
uh, it's a fun shots of this movie is when he pulls up his fingers and they all have the little blue syringes in them. Well, yeah, and and we get the cut to like her arms and like her old track marks are like little mouths and they're like, yeah, and it's, and it's he, goofy, yeah, and he, but I love it. He injects her and she she ODs on dream drugs. It's a, it's kind of gross too, because he's like, because uh, like as he's like injecting her, he's like coming, kind yeah, of. He's, he's like, getting high Ugh. as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the the, the dream d- drugs, aka Ambien, <laughs> <laughs> Benadryl, baby. <laughs> Benadryl um. and and Nyquil. Um, uh, another fun practical effect that I like is when. Uh, when they're fighting him in hell and uh nancy's like he's never been this strong before she's only had like one experience with him i don't know like what she's really basing that off of but he's like dream lot but then he's like yes the souls of children make me more powerful and he like rips off his his sweater and his torso is just like covered with like little screaming faces it's all warped flesh with little faces. And yeah, stuff. he's been absorbing the souls of all the kids he kills, and they're like trapped in his body. Yeah, I hate to, to make like, fun. the weave comparison, but it's, it's like a practical equivalent of like Envy from Full Metal Alchemist. You know how like Envy has like the faces of all like the damned oh, souls yeah. in their flesh. It's like that, but like live action and practical. Full Metal Alchemist, a long time. Fucking awesome! Like it's really cool. It's a great idea. It's like uh, it's just like in Yu-Gi-Oh when uh, oh, you know you're weaving out too when they send right. uh, when when they send uh, Yugi's grandfather to the shadow realm. I'm gonna have to take your word on that one. It's nothing like that at all. <laughs> you just wanted to weave out too. You yeah, wanted, I just I just wanted, you wanted to play on the playground. Also. Yeah, I just wanted to have an I just wanted to have an anime moment about souls. An anime moment. An anime moment. Yeah. I haven't watched Yu-Gi-Oh since I was probably 12 years old. Good. What did y'all think about the moment where the dad uh, is, like, killed in the junkyard and then he appears in the dream world? 80s sleaze, so It's so hokey, but also, like, it is Freddy Krueger playing a trick on Nancy. But, yeah, like, the way he just materializes in and he's like, like, Nancy, I've crossed over to the other side. But I couldn't go without saying goodbye. I just wanted you to know that I'll always love you. Like, it's so... If if it hadn't been Freddy Krueger playing a trick on her, I would have hated it. <laughs> but because it is him playing a trick on her, I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I fully agree. Like, it's... It's clearly done like extra corny because yeah, like yeah. Freddy well, he's he materializes with like sparkles. Yeah, exactly. Like, like magically. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I've I've crossed over to the other side. Speaking of crossing over to the other side, uh, oh, I was gonna say let's rate, but we gotta mention. I think you did mention earlier the score. Is done by Angelo Badalamenti. That's right. Frequent David Lynch collaborator. And the score is great. We also The credit have, song. Yeah, an original oh, song uh, made for the film uh, by the 
heavy metal band Dokken. I I had forgotten that this was this movie that they wrote that for. I thought it was uh I thought it was for the fourth one, but yeah. That boy that track slaps. It does. That's a hot track. Fucking slaps. Honestly, more fucking whips more slaps. Fucking movies should do that. Where they give an artist the script and say Go at it, you know. Write something related, Make bro. That used to song. that used to be like not that uncommon yeah, in the eighties yeah. and nineties to get like a real band to write like a credit song for your movie or something. Second, nobody's time. doing that anymore. No, I feel yeah. like the only the people Transformers doing that nowadays mm-hmm. is life with it. It's so good. The you got people... the touch. Ba, ba, ba. The only people you that are doing power. it this uh, nowadays are kids' yeah. movies and fucking rappers. Yeah, when fucking Yeet is doing oh, a Minion song. Or I will whatever. say, be careful what you wish for. Spiral from the Book of Saw did have that Saw theme. Oh yeah, oh, the Twenty One Savage one. Yeah, do a number two with my rifle. I'm a, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it spin like, like a spiral. Do a, do a number two with my rifle. Yeah, yeah, dude. Fuck. It's coming back. Yeah, dude. See, that's why, like, I'm excited for, like, that, uh, uh... Saw 10? No, well, also, yes. But, like, <laughs> so you think, very you think much so. You think they're gonna do that again? But, like, no, that's why I'm excited about, like, the, the David Harbour, like, Santa Claus movie and stuff like that. Because it feels very much in that vein. Let's bring it back. That's the kind of movie that would have, like, a corny credit song. I want more movies like this. I, again, I don't know if it's good. I, I'm not, I'm not predicting that it will be. It could very much suck. But at least it's the kind of movie that I'm looking for. See, I think I think the 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 key component of a movie that has an original song written for the credits is that I don't think the movie can be like too self aware and jokey. I think it need like it can be campy, but I think it needs to take itself relatively seriously for that type of thing the to come to off as yeah, entertaining. I, I think of yeah. like the Dial Code Santa Claus song with oh Happy my God, Birthday the Bonnie, Jesus. The Bonnie Tyler yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> Happy Birthday. Yeah. And that's a perfect example. Happy Birthday Christmas, Welcome Home Jesus. very seriously, but she's also so <laughs> yeah. drunk. You're right, so it's, drunk. You're right, it's not, it wasn't Happy Birthday Jesus. That's, no, that's too simple. It was Happy, Happy Birthday, Birthday Christmas, Christmas. Welcome <laughs> Home Jesus. <laughs> Someday... You'll be a man. <laughs> I think about that song all the time. Damn, I yeah, see why. Yeah. See, it's so in my restless dreams. I hear Christmas that song. music out there. That's one of the songs. You're right. Yes, you're right. That is that is one of the the better uh, yes. the modern Christmas songs. But yeah, like I, I I the thing about like that that Violent Night movie that's coming out or may already be out by the time this episode comes out with David Harbour. It's out today. Oh shit! Okay, yeah. So it's definitely out by the time this comes out. Uh, like that movie, it's like it's from the same people who did like Nobody and like Bullet Train, and it's like those are very like nudge nudge wink wink like jokey self aware movies, and like that's the type of movie where I don't want them to get an original song from somebody. It needs to be something like Spiral, like. A fucking bad movie that takes itself completely seriously that for some reason, out of all people, they got 21 Savage to do a song for the credits. Well, it's like, I think that with a movie like this, like, I don't know if like, like self-serious certainly isn't the word, but like, and self-awareness probably isn't either. But like, there is like such a great deal of competence and like yeah. understanding with the movie and knowing how to deliver and how to deliver fun. 
play. It's it's fun. It's fun and it's campy, but it takes itself seriously. Yeah, yeah, and like that's yeah, that's the that's the vibe. I think you know if you're gonna do that today, the peak way to do it is to bring back like a very washed up old rock oh, star yeah. and do it like. Get like rat or something. <laughs> Warren. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Get like get like a an eighties rock band that hasn't been relevant in decades to write an original song for your movie. Original song by White Snake. Yeah. Yes, dude. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking. Fucking uh, get Slash on the phone, but not, <laughs> but not for Guns and Roses. Velvet Revolver. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, do y'all want to rate this thing? Yeah. yeah. yeah Let's do it. it. Um, strong four out of five for me. I I really like this movie. I don't think it's perfect. I think it's got some uh, some narrative problems, but it's a really uh, fantastic showcase of effects some of the most fun dream set pieces of any Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Great cast. Heather Langenkamp, Patricia Arquette, John Saxon, Larry Fishburne, of course, Robert England. Can't go wrong. Yeah. Strong four out of five. Yeah, this movie rules. You know, I this is my second or third time seeing it. And every time I see it, I like it a little bit more. I think this is probably my second favorite after the original. You know, New Nightmare is definitely close as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Um, I will say one thing is, if you like any of these movies, there's a documentary uh, Mm -hmm. called Never Sleep Again. I still need to watch that. It's like six hours long, super long, but it goes through in depth of every movie. And there's so much good stuff uh, in the behind the scenes of these movies. So, definitely... Watch this movie and check that documentary. Yeah, I still need to watch Never Sleep Again. That sounds great. Okay, my rating. I was really thinking about giving it a 4.5, but I thought about it a little bit more. Maybe I thought about it too much. And, uh, you know, I might my opinion might change over time. With this one in particular, I think it might, but I'm I'm coming in hot. I'm following, I'm following my gut, and uh, it is definitely not a perfect movie. But this is a perfect movie for me. I was a kid again. I was just having a great time with this film. I gotta give it a five. Just for, for, for me, you know? Like, uh, and again, it's, it's, it's not a five. Like, uh, as just generally as movies go. But for me, it's a five. Well, five. stand by your convictions. Don't say it's a five and then say it's not a five. If it's <laughs> yeah. a five, it's a five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that'll give uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors... A very strong four and a half out of five average. So check it out. I was going to say they're all on HBO Max. No, they're not anymore. <laughs> they were recently. Uh, but uh, fuck you, WB Discovery. The WB Discovery thing is starting to creep in, and HBO is removing a bunch of stuff, and it stinks. And it's bad. But uh, there are ways to watch this movie, so... Yeah. Seek it out if Rented, you if you haven't you know, buy it. Honestly, even I think I think some of these might be on Shutter. I'm not a hundred percent. Maybe but, I don't uh, know. <laughs> well, even if not, go check out Shutter. Yeah, whatever. Just find. It's 2022. You're Shutter. you're an adult, presumably. You know how to find movies. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, next week 
is uh, it's that time of year again. It's our uh, it's our year in review. We're going to be talking about our favorite films of 2022, our least favorite films of 2022, and some other fun categories in between. The annual potties. The annual potties. Forgot <laughs> we called them that. Yeah. <laughs> Potties with a D, but it does sound like where toilet. Po- where the potty at? <laughs> where the where the potty at? Which I think is appropriate for us and yes. for the show. Uh, our annual potties and our year in review. So uh, join us next week for that. Real quick before we close, sponsor. Sponsor time. What does the shelf have for us this week? Could it be as poignant uh, as it was last week? I don't know. Uh, probably not. Probably not. Hopefully. I mean, it's. You know, hard to say. Okay, it's a long one. You ready? I'm ready. This week is brought to you by the chafe and bloody nipples of a de- de- dedicated marathon runner. I thought said defecated for a second. Sometimes marathon runners are so dedicated that they defecate. I have heard of that happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, and their and their nipples bleed. Yeah. Because they because they get chafed mm-hmm. from the, the perpetual motion. They just run without a shirt on at that point. That's why a lot of people do run without shirts on. Yeah, I would think. Part of the reason. But I'm glad that some don't because those chafed and bloody nipples of a dedicated marathon runner are sponsoring the show this week. Makes my nipples hurt just thinking about it. Well, dear listener, does it make your nipples hurt? If not, think about it. Okay, that's, that's it. That's it! We're Stop done. Stop thinking about it. We're, we're done. <laughs> Rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. We are the best. No more, no less. Warriors. Warriors uh, of the pod. Uh, you can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Uh, our honorary podboy, Sam Simon. Our... Oh, podtriots. You, you can become a podtriot. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a little. It's a little. It's a little awkward on the tongue, but I like it. The pod, podtriots. You can I become think. a podtriot at Patreon. At Podtreon. <laughs> at Podtreon. No, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/podpeoplepod. <laughs> Shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam Simon and Zach Confer. Yo, Sam, Sam, thank you so much. Sam for chose this, this film for us. This was thank a you. Uh, thank you for your pick, Sam. Okay. We appreciate it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake and streaming at twitch.tv slash some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets and if Hive Social still exists, follow me at Sheets. Nice. I got off of Twitter before it was cool. Uh, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm Cleveland Mosier, and uh, well, you know that. But uh, you can find my work on DreadXP.com mostly these days, or on Steam uh, via DreadXP as a publisher. Uh, you can find all a lot of the whole cool, neat, and fun games, all of them that I've done and worked on, and sometimes art, sometimes QA. I've done I've done a little bit of all of it at this point. And uh, yeah, go play, go go check out Mirror Forge great it's got like reality smashing and all sorts of cool stuff it's it's neat that's it for me well thanks for listening until next time sleep tight don't let the dream warriors bite